Hello, listeners, to the Punk Theology Podcast. My name is Rush Shaw, your host. This is season number three, the season finale. You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. This would be season three, the conclusion, season three, season finale. At episode number 30, soon, Steve, Derek, Chuck, and I will talk about what is safe. Who is safe? Are there safe people? That is the question of the season finale, rounding up this whole social experiment in a way. Punktheology.net, the website for this here uh, audio excursion. We're ready. I think we're ready. We've been just listening to some songs, some music that we can't play anymore on the podcast. Well, I shouldn't play that one on the podcast anyways. That's kind of like it needs a warning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but the topic tonight is our relationship with hard things. Like, I thought we were doing safe people. Safe, safe people? people? Okay, let's do safe people. <laughs> Sorry. Because relationship hard with hard things. That is a hard thing. Yeah. You need safe people. Yes. Dealing with the hard things on your own, like you need people that you can actually open up to. Like that's well, it's so fucking hard to find safe people. Yeah, it is. And the worst thing, I think one of the worst things is, especially when you're younger thinking you have a safe person, mm. investing a whole bunch of time into that person, uh, and then starting to slowly realize they're not quite as safe as you, uh, as you thought that they were. But then, but you usually, especially when you're young and you're just starting to figure out your mental health and trauma and stuff, you're so exhausted from it that the idea of finding another relationship that can be a safe one is just daunting. Yeah, and it's kind of like worth it. this little gopher popping his head out. And you start to just unpack some of the crap and then you realize this isn't safe. I'm never doing it again. Mm-hmm. You know, you shut her down. And it's so hard for that stuff, like she was saying, is I want to scream, I don't know, don't know how. It's so hard for those to, to put words and ideas to what you're feeling. And then when you start to, you get shut down. And you can get shut down just by luck. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think even the gopher analogy would go for analogy might even be a safe way to find a safe person. Mm-hmm. So a gopher pokes up, looks around, mm-hmm. see if it's safe. He mm-hmm. doesn't invest a lot in coming out. And as a kid, you, you're just out. You know, you just come out because you think that it's safe. Your parents hopefully maybe have been safe enough for you that you just come out and blurt out whatever it is, and you're not judged by it. And then you're out in the real world. And you just blurt out something, and someone's like, holy shit, you're an asshole, or I can't believe you just said that. And you're like, well, this isn't safe, and you're hurt. I yeah. think that girlfriend <clears throat> is really good, too, because when you first stick your head out and go back in, you think, I'm never coming out again. Mm-hmm. But you have to go out because you need food. Yeah. And you got to eventually, and then you get hungrier and hungrier and hungrier, until and then all of a sudden you end up doing something really desperate. Right. And then you get your head out, and you get involved with someone who's not safe at all. Because you're super fucking starved yeah. for yeah. some type of, of connection with somebody. And yeah. you really Or feeling yourself. a community. Yeah. I think 
church can do that. Yeah, that's what a cult is, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's where like you're just start and you're like you lose yourself yeah. and then you conform to the, the cult. Like, I'll do anything you tell me to do. Just make me part of the group. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'll do anything. I'm so fucking starving yeah. for some type of validation. What was that song that you shared? What was that? It uh, was Castle on a Cloud by Angel Hayes. And strong warning about yeah. that song. It's, it's about the cleanest, most open song about sexual abuse that I've ever heard. It's not... They don't use an allegory. <laughs> no. Angel just comes out and fucking says it. And it's... And it is spot on. Angel's really fascinating. Um, sh- sh- they identify as male. They do in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel has a female body. I don't know that they've had surgery or anything. Um, but... but Angel said that a large part of her identifying as male comes from her sec- their sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's like like I said, if like it's it's a song that I've listened to maybe a hundred times. It's one of those songs that I just compulsively listen to over and over and over again because it's so on the nose. Um, and they and Angel just really nails it. Um, but it is rough. It's a rough song. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, highly recommended, but also it'll ruin your fucking day. <laughs> yeah. It might ruin your day. For a yeah. week. For a week, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes we need that, like we need to get real. Like we need something to bring us to the place of realness. Sometimes if you live in that, though, like I can get, they can get really hard. Like I don't know how therapists do it. Right, like day in, day out. They learn not to pick up your yeah, shit. They learn not to pick up. I was shit. talking with a friend. A good therapist. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was talking with a friend who's who's uh, fairly famous, and he deals with. He wrote a book, and <clears throat> he gets a lot of emails from people who have went through really hard shit. And I asked him about it. I go, "What do you What do you do? Like the compassion fatigue that comes from that, right?" Um, and he just says, "I don't." I don't carry things that don't belong to me. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to learn, too. Yeah. Yeah. God, that would be so fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. I don't really like to do it. Especially, you know, as a dad of two daughters, and as far as I know, nothing's ever happened to them. But just to think, I want to rescue that person. You know? Yeah. The thing about that is you can't even be a good therapist. You can't even help the other person, really, until you learn that. Yeah. So so if you're picking their shit up, you're... You're just fuck them up and yourself up. Yeah, like you have to learn. It's like jujitsu or judo. Like you have to learn all about where the weight is, and there and you're letting the other person do all the work, and you're just kind of shifting perspectives and moving things around. But it's fucking hard. That's what I like about. I think it was Seattle School years of practice. Yes, Yes. the Seattle School of of, uh, psychology and theology. They do counseling. um, They do like a counseling cert. And you can make your way to a, you know from counseling to psychology, but but one of the things they require is not only that you do go go to class, but you're in therapy and you're in group therapy like twice a week, and you're seeing a therapist once a week. And if you can't fucking do that, don't tell other people. They yeah, I don't do know. It. Like, I don't know if you can wow. learn not to pick up other people's weight if you've not been with someone that that can help you without. Taking on your weight. 
I think, I mean, it may be possible, but it's definitely the easiest to do, is to experience someone else doing it to Pick, you. Yeah, picking up your shit. And then yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. like, oh, I, like, like shit's moving. I'm moving stuff inside of me, but you're not taking on any of this. And yeah, it's all the way they phrase stuff, the questions they ask. You can see it in their face. Freud yeah. taught some of that. Like, Freud would have that whole thing of the person laying on the couch, and Freud would be behind them. So his, like, his, the, your back would be to Freud as he's asking you these questions, kind of disconnected and, and yeah. oddly. Like, and that, that's feel, it doesn't theory, feel right. It's, it's good, but it it's also fucked up because it lets therapists be bad therapists for yeah, a long yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, how do you... Suck money out of people. Mm-hmm. Like a bad mechanic. <laughs> like, let me fuck up your car a little bit so you yeah. can bring it in next week. Yep, for sure. <laughs> Just enough, it. though. Yep. <laughs> Just enough, though. How do, yeah. you, uh, how do you emit empathy without owning, without taking it? You know, just how do you listen to it? You're an empath, Steve. I think that's probably. How would you listen to that without. I'm an empath too. Like I get fuck. I, I think, like, <clears throat> and I think cry. I think it's not as much not picking up the weight as much as it is taking it in for a second and then and then letting yeah, it flow like, back out. Yeah, yeah. I've cried for others, like dude, just sharing something. I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, but then you got to breathe it back. But out. then you have to fuck. push it back. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, push yeah. it back on them. It's just not pick it up. Yeah, right. you know, it's you can touch it, you can feel it, you can acknowledge that it's there. Right. But I'm not going to own it. I used to get pissed at that that phrase That's in the hard. Bible. The, Very, Jesus would say that, yeah. like, if you're carrying yeah, the I weight, like, to. my my load is light, and, and I'm sorry, we're all no, sorry, but that 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 idea that my my burden my is burden light. is light, um, and and my load is easy, yeah. like, it used to piss me off. Until it like like what you just described, like until we can get to that place where my burden is where my burden is, and we're I don't know. They're for others, and they're fucking. And that's shit. a that's the thing too. When you interact with somebody that shows you compassion, acknowledges that your shit is heavy and that it's there, and you can, so you can feel them start to pick it up, and they realize like, like they're acknowledging the weight, mm-hmm. but then they set it back down. That helps you, or at least me. Like, oh wait, I don't have to fucking carry this. Mm-hmm. Wait, I can put it down too. I saw, you know, I felt you pick up something, Steve, in our conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I watched you put it back down. And it's, for me, body language is the key tell mm-hmm. when I'm dealing with a therapist yeah. or friends or loved ones or whoever it is. You can just see them pick it up. And you're like, oh, I'll put it down. Put it down. And I think it's mm-hmm. that they're, they're trying to panic and figure out how to make you stop feeling what you're feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And the goal is to get you to feel what you're feeling as intensely as possible. So it's actually the exact opposite of what their intuition says it is. Yeah. Um, Of like, like, oh, that's a really rough feeling. That's terrible. Now you feel it. Like, I can feel like, oh, you gave that to me. I'm rolling it around in my mouth. I'm kind of feeling it out. That's pretty fucking heavy. You take it back. And now you just and now you sit, with it, it, sit with it until it starts to go away. Mm-hmm. And I can give it back, and then I just and I can sit there for ten minutes while they hold it in their hands until it stops burning them. And that's all you're fucking doing. 
And then they say, okay, what do I do about it? Oh, that's not my fucking job. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, I got no yeah, idea. Yeah, you yeah, feel yeah, your yeah. feelings. And then, and then the rest of the responsibilities, and then you go and live your life, and the rest of the responsibilities for you. Mm-hmm. All I'm here for is to make a space for you to fill your feelings to purge. as intensely as possible. Yeah. And to validate your feeling, yes, that is 100% Fucked up. accurate. That is, <laughs> that is like, that feeling that you're feeling right now is right. It's just the the thing that happened and your feelings mesh together in that those things match up it's so it's totally justified for you to feel that way because of what happened to you uh and and and, and starting to pull claw back those those uh catches and walls that they have of like i can't feel this like no no you feel, feel all of it like it's it's the opposite of 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 trying to protect people from their feelings. It's trying to get them to really dive in. And that's all you're able to do. Mm-hmm. So that's a safe person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, unsafe person is the, oh, I'm sorry. What can I do to make that better? Yeah. How can I help? How can I solve your problem? Or someone that sees that and, and tries to manipulate it. Well, that's yeah. Even worse. <laughs> yeah. So I had, I had judgment yeah. or labels. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, you shouldn't think butt that face, at all. Butt face, naked here? I've had it happen here when we were all six mm-hmm. of us in here. I had said one thing, and one of the group, who is not with us tonight, said, that is schizophrenic. <laughs> suck that suck. He, he dove back in the hole. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's not safe. Yeah. No. At all. Yeah. And I don't know that they realized it. Obviously, I don't think they realized it, because I don't think it was still on purpose. But that's what I tried to do, and what I gleaned from that was, well, somebody tell me something, so then I'll just, I'll, like, yeah, hopefully take it, but then put it back, so that I own your shitstorm of a life for ten years, who you thought this was forever. And I, in my past, I find that a lot of people that aren't safe is when you share your mirror for them. And you share, I'm sorry. When you share something, it's a mirror. And they see it and That's good. in themselves, That's good. and they're like, "Yeah, fuck you, yeah. you're an asshole, yeah, you're dumb. I can't believe you yeah. thought that." It's them hating yeah. themselves. And they're talking to yeah. themselves, but they're, but they're yeah, extremely. Somebody yeah. who did that well at Mars Hill was that James Noriega guy, and he got a lot of shit, and a lot of people hated him. But he was one of those guys where if you started sharing stuff, he was going to push on that fucking pain, like, "Oh, this hurts." Let me yeah. push harder, and people would just. Ugh. But he he he. It was pretty brilliant the way he did it, because he didn't try and save them. He didn't have a Bible verse or some bullshit. Like he just let them sit in it for a while. He definitely worked for some people. Yeah, uh, he was not great for some people. sensitive people. Yeah, yeah, he was really good at cracking. That's a recovery group thing. That's he a, was he yeah, was good yeah. at cracking really hard people. Mm-hmm. But if you were already kind of soft, he would fuck you up. Because in recovery, <laughs> and I think I think where he was, where he, where he was gifted to use that word was in a recovery group. Like what you were just saying earlier, some people will not just share how that feels; they'll share their experience or their their life story. And this is some of my shit. Like I just started saying, "This is what happened to me," and a lot of people were going, "Like that's really fucked up. I'm sorry." Like. What are you sorry for? Like this is just my life, you know. This is just how I grew up. It was just fucking normal, you right. know. 
It's like the two fish who are swimming to school, and the, the old fish comes out and goes, oh, isn't the water great today? It's nice and clear and beautiful. And the two fish look at them and go, yeah, that's great. And they get to school and they ask their teacher, what's water, you know? So that was me. It wasn't. So the feelings were like the water. Like, I didn't know what the fuck I was supposed to feel. I just survived in that shit. I just knew it. And he was the guy who went after that pain. And I respected him for it because, again, I'd been in recovery groups where people are going to die if they keep doing the fucking dope or whatever they're doing. You, you go after that pain and expose it. It's scary because that person could go fucking overdose. I and think. I think some people need to have the back of their neck grabbed and really, like, they, they're not going to be able to get the perspective. Yeah. Unless somebody grabs the back of their neck and really rubs their face in it. Like, this is what it is. Uh, but when someone does that to someone that kind of already sees it, uh, it kind of fucks them up. So, yeah. uh, and I don't know that he always got the nuance of that. But on the other side of that, I'm, I think I'm generally much better at reaching people that are already pretty soft. And I'm not as good at getting into the, into the people that are pretty hard. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so there's a person for different people for different people. There's a, is this a male-female thing, too? Because I think men tend to respect it more than women do. Maybe this is, Maybe I'm being... Misogynistic a little bit. It's okay. We're a circle jerk. That's, what we <laughs> That's do. right. You know, I will. But say, I think men would well, harder, Chuck. Harder. I'm gonna interrupt. <laughs> I'm so glad that this joke has never died. <laughs> That's right. It won't. It won't. We're gonna keep doing. We'll keep reveling in our uh... masturbatory. Well, it's not masturbatory. If somebody else is doing it. Yeah. Uh, homoerotic. Thank you. Zach Efron. <laughs> Zach Efron. I wish. That would, that's my it would be way more popular if it was Zach Efron. That's my favorite verse. My favorite verse in the Bible that is not so popular is I will revel in my when people deep. criticize me. When people say evil shit about me, I'll you know, rejoice in that. The Christians don't like that. <laughs> Most of well, them don't. What am I and just now realizing it is is in, in the Bible is the shortest Jesus wept when he exuded emotion yeah. he cried I'll he, keep my flaws in the light yes yes that was an exposure yeah. or, a, or a living this is the shortest verse in the Bible yeah. Yeah. yeah but theology aside I don't you know I go I would go into those groups because I didn't want to die and, and, and I'd feel that thing in me rise up and go, I don't want to cry either. I'm not going to fucking cry in front of these motherfuckers, right? I remember being in groups and it was physically painful when you felt the tears coming. Mm-hmm. Like something inside of you was actually breaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like it was a physical... Sort of like vomiting, vomiting right? Yeah. You're trying to hold You're it right. back. Like everything in you is like trying to... Well, and, like, and there's a part of me that's really upset that I can't do it. Like, angry yeah. at myself. Yeah. And part of me is going, like, you pussy, don't fucking cry. And the other part of me going, you pussy, you better fucking cry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but again, we're going to the topic, right? Just, safe people. You just you're just safe disassociating. <laughs> Doesn't it take a relationship, though? you got to know people before you can fucking do that, maybe, right? Yeah, that's... Well, I think that's what Chuck was just talking about with the mirror thing. Uh, my favorite philosopher, Hegel, calls it the struggle for recognition. Mm. And that you can't accept a part of your own identity until you throw it out to another person and they toss it back. Yeah. Like, and 
uh, and you can kind of you kind of get a little bit of a slippery handle on it, but in, but it doesn't become set in concrete until you toss it out and someone tosses it back. And one of the best feelings is when you toss out something beautiful and vulnerable and maybe a little dark, and they validate and test throw it back. And one of the worst feelings is when they twist it and fuck you with it. So how many safe people do you have in your life? Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the audience. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. Do I want you guys to be safe? Yeah. Do I fully believe that you all are? No. Will I ever get there? Um, I want to believe that I can. So to, instead of a, kind of a black and white answer, I'm in a place where I'm surrounded by the most safe people I've ever had. That's good. Yeah. But I wouldn't, yeah, but to Chuck's point, right? they're not the ideal 100% safe. They're probably, again, probably not even the 50% safe. Well, it's... But compared to what I grew up with, yeah, it's <laughs> so fucking amazing. And that's, and that's the thing, too, is so as you learn who is safe and who is not, you... You continue to throw out the softballs, and you might get a little bit darker and darker. And once it comes back twisted, okay, there's the limit on your safety. You know, you can't handle... You know, and it's back to when Derek was talking about, you know, going all in with somebody. You know, it's... At some point, you're going to twist it or manipulate it. And it's like, okay, I know that I can go to this level with Steve. And I know that I can only go to this level with Derek and only this level with Russ. Or whoever your friends are. Mm. One of the things I'm realizing, the the couple that was with us last weekend, he's probably the safest guy I know because I've seen his dark side too. You drank wine and smoked cigars. I love that. Like how many you had wine? I love how many five, five bottles. bottles. So there, there <laughs> went sideways point. on five bottles. There's a good point too, Steve. So I can't picture you being safe unless you are going to be vulnerable with me. Yes, mm-hmm. yes exactly. And so it's you know it's a dance. Yes. Oh, it is. Yeah. You know, so it's okay. I'm going to lob you this ball. Okay, you give it back. You lob me a ball. I give it back. And so you develop a relationship. He said, Russ. You know, and it's, but you're not a safe person for me unless you show me right. vulnerability as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's it. I mean, because this dude, he was an international singer speaker. He's with YWAM now, but he just went sideways one time. And it ruined, he went from internationally known to washing cars in a car lot for five bucks an hour because he got exposed. Well, he knows. And see, I was there for it. What's why, man? Youth with a Mission. Mm-hmm. It's a Christian thing. It's a pretty big one. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. But, he, I mean, even... I'll, I'll talk with him over, over, with crap. I've, I've related a lot of stuff that I've done and, and been with in and even gone to the extreme of describing some of, the, some of my exploits, so to speak. And he just looks at me, and he doesn't judge me. He doesn't say, "Well, you shouldn't have done that." You know? <laughs> Fuck no! Are you kidding me? Fuck you! Yeah, yeah. And that's the same. I think one of the best answers though is, 
well, did you enjoy it? <laughs> That's true. Like, instead of, yeah. like, you shouldn't have done that, it's like, well, did you, like, find... <laughs> Why? Did you fight? That's, did you fight gratifying? I love it. Yes. You yeah. stepped out. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yes. Hell yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, and never even really felt guilty. How do you feel about if you had all of those, had a bunch of views in a room, how do you feel about the one that really liked it the most? The, I'm sorry. The, if you had a bunch of versions of yourself in a room, oh. and there's one that just really liked it in that moment, how do you feel about that version of yourself? Not, don't hate him. Don't judge him. Mm. Accept him. He's an exile in my head. Really? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he does everything. There's some things without that guilt are exiles. Shame. There's, there's there's a couple things that are like. Yeah. What's an exile for you? At this point in our audio program, Steve shared something he would rather not have shared with uh, the general public. And I respected that. And no, it's not something illegal or even that big a deal. At least I thought. I'm like, I would totally share that. But respecting my friend Steve and being safe people, we edited that out of the conversation here, so that's what's going on, and it's okay. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. I hate that guy. I shudder about that guy. Yeah. That pops up every now and then. I just, yeah, you have to move your head to, yes. get, him, to get him to go yes, away. Yes, yeah, yes, too. Yeah. I got a couple of those. You ever just let him stay? <laughs> No. The cool thing about those is, is I figured this out in EMDR is I had a bunch of those and I really learned how to sit with them and I don't do that with those memories anymore. I get new ones that come up. Right. But 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 that like that really deep pain that makes me have a physical response, uh, the volume comes down on it. And I still like I have regret. Um and I have a kind of a complicated relationship with it, but it's not so sharp that I have to physically move my body to try and get them to go away. Well, nothing, nothing happened beyond that. They said stop, I stopped. But I was in a position of authority, leadership, and they were under me. And I just, God, I this fear they're going to show up my door mm-hmm. and accuse me of. Are you worried that you hurt them? I know I hurt them. You know, just because it was out of place. What do you think that says about you as a person? Or what are you afraid that that says about you as a person? That I was defective. Hmm. But it's interesting because it's almost as if that's not me. So here's a question. That was a version of me. What if you were defective? Well, I mean, I guess the biggest fear is that where I could have gone with that. Mm-hmm. How far could I have gone? Yeah. 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 How far could I have gone? But you didn't. I know. But see, that's the parenting. Like the song You, that's the theme song of my EMDR, is is that relationship that I have with me, you know, and those dark versions of myself. Yeah. And being a parent almost to that person. Not just the child me, but the teenage me who did a lot of really fucked up shit. 
you know. Um, but loving that person for where he was at and just what he knew, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that... And that... You three are the only ones that know about that besides those two girls. My wife doesn't even know about it. It would... Where does that sit in your body? It everything sits right here. The other night, heart, chest, mm-hmm. heaviness. Yeah. The other night, forward and like your sternum, yeah. back against your spine, no, sternum. Right, sternum. Yeah, that's a. Mm-hmm. There's a big nerve center right there. The other night, um, yeah. Night before last, you should push on it. The other night before last, um, <laughs> call it a shock. He just told you to fuck off. Call it a fucking shock. Well, we were watching. I was downstairs watching something. My wife was upstairs. She wasn't feeling good. She's on the toilet. And then about 8 o'clock, I go up there and I go, You okay? And she goes, Yeah. And I go, Well, I kind of want to watch something, but you know, I didn't know. And walk away. And I come back and I, in my head, I'm right, I'm, rely, I'm replaying when her, she had the bowel obstruction. And uh, so I just went back in the room because I put my earplugs in because I sleep better and I have earplugs in. But if I had the earplugs in at night, I'd never heard her on the floor. So I just went back in. I said, Are you okay or am I going to, do I need to, be prepared. And she goes, no, it's Steve. You don't need to worry about me. And I go, hey, you know, you don't need to get bitchy with me. I'm just asking. And then she pulled back the, oh, I wanted to watch. And she mocked me. She goes, I wanted to watch something, but you're just too late now. And I just, I was able to just walk away, went in the room and boom, 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 you know. And I just read a book, part in the book when, uh, Bessel's telling one of his clients just to breathe. So I did that. You know, hold it in, which speeds up your heart. Exhale, slows it down. It was about three breaths and it was gone. That pressure was gone. And I just and I just sat with it. And I thought, okay, why was that so um, triggering? And it was because of the mocking. I mean, yeah. are we in junior high school? Yeah. I mean, I just stayed. And again... I don't. I don't. I don't feel safe with my wife. Yeah. You know, I could not tell her stuff. Is that why this topic came up for you? It's yeah. And Chuck and I kind of bounced around, and he, he's been fighting, and, and that's one of the things I've been wrestling with. You know, that's not. I don't know so much wrestling with it. It's maybe it's just a, a page that's or a, a layer that's being exposed. Yeah. You know, and really working through. For twofold is that you know, do I have safe people? But am I safe too? You know, I want to be that. I want to be that safe guy. That's a fear of mine, mm-hmm. being safe. Mm-hmm. And it's because I, I see so many people that aren't that believe they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. like fuck. Do I just have blinders on? Yeah, that's a horrible. But thing. I think I don't think anybody can and be ultimately safe, though, right? You well, think that's about what we're just talking about with yeah. Chuck's thing, but he's talking. I mean, I think it's more of an extreme type of thing. Of the people that really think they're safe and they're really toxic. All right. Yeah. Well, everybody gets hungry. Isolated or tired—that was a thing in groups that I've been in where you know hit right, hangry. You know, there's a reason they do those Snickers commercials where dude turns into Joe Pesci, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a fucking thing. We do that. Um, so I guess it's being—I don't know—mindful of yourself. Like all of a sudden you're hungry, you're feeling like you no one gets you at work, and then you come home and you're dealing with a relationship. Like, yeah. that can be fucked I up. I think that happens. I'm not safe. 
Like, fuck. I'm really, give me a minute. I guess maybe that's part of this conversation is give me a fucking minute so I can collect myself or know myself enough to even give me a minute where I, I think can be there. The healthiest thing in a relationship is get to the point where you can actually say that. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can say, like, like I'm, my headspace is kind of funky right now, and I can tell that you really need me to be in a place where I can accept that. I'm going to need 10 minutes to, mm-hmm. to move some shit around, and then let's do this again. But, but I'm not going to blow you off. I'm not going to tell you to go talk to your therapist. I'm not going to say, you need help. And then leave the room. I'm not like, going to make dinner for you. I think one of my favorite, <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things um, about Dan Hazen is um, mm. is he he I remember his, I mean, it's not a motto, but basically you know the things he lives by are vulnerability and availability, mm-hmm. and those two connected, um, and and him being aware of the fact that those are his goals and that's what he wants to live for and that's what he li- wants to live to. But it's not always something you can just bring up in the moment. And 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 it's okay to say, I need a little sp- bit to find the, a, the, the space where I can be vulnerable and available. But, not, but, but it, having it as a goal and as a thing to reach for in the terms of of, and even being able to say this to someone like it might be tomorrow before I'm available, and I'm and I and and that sucks for you because you're in a really tight, sensitive spot. Uh, but but my goal is to get to a spot soon, and I'm going to make it a priority because you're an important person to me. Mm-hmm. To get to a spot where I'm vulnerable and available, and let's let's do it. And I think too, if you have a good relationship with yourself and the other. You can, you can almost find space. You know, if you do it regularly, you can find space immediately. Okay, I'm dealing with all this shit here on my own plate. Okay, I have a box for it. Let me just place this in my box. It doesn't need to be locked, sealed, and put away and hidden. But it's just, let me put my shit in the box so I can give you all of my time that I need. Or that's, that you need. And there's often, like, a gap there. Yeah. And that their need is really intense. And your avoidance is really intense, mm-hmm. but the more regularly you toss that ball back and forth, the gap starts to close, yeah. and then it doesn't take that much effort mm-hmm. for me to find the availability and the vulnerability, and their pressure is also a lot less yeah. than it normally would. If it's been 15 years, and you guys, and you're not in a spot where that that's easy, that their pressure is super high, yep. and you're vulnerability and availability is super low and uh, it's it's hard to get past that first couple of times listen buster man to man yeah Uh, smoke a Roy Tan cigar man to man smoke a Roy Tan You know what you could do? Have approximately five to ten seconds of awkward silence. Yeah, there you go. That would be good, too. That is the best. Because we we never do that in this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
That doesn't happen naturally. We have to artificially make it. <laughs> it has effect. Tight as a drum we are. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how do we... I like that availability and vulnerability. It's a beautiful I combination. Like I think he's the first guy I've ever had bring that forward. But like, like it's one of the best summaries I've ever... And, and that's... You know, seventy-five percent of the work right there. Yeah. yeah, it's just and just letting somebody else know, like, I can work to a spot where I'll be vulnerable with you and I'll be available to you, and that is fucking huge. That guy saved my life. I tell you what, Dan Hazen just listening to me at a very yeah, dark doing that. place in my life. Yes, just and just it, listen. And you don't have to. And like Chuck brought up, you don't have to. That there's no weight taken on at all in that. Nope. nope. You can be available and you can be vulnerable and you don't have to worry about fixing a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to say a fucking thing. Yeah. You can just be vulnerable and available for two hours with someone and you don't have to say a word. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so many people fucking suck at it. Oh, yeah. Terrible at it. Are you paying lots of money? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But I think also it's a consciousness thing. Like something you were saying earlier had me thinking about like the engineer brain versus maybe how I'm wired. Like you said, setting it as a goal where I would think in my realm of consciousness, so to speak, where, where it's, it's a matter of consciousness for me. I can be conscious enough to be here with you now. I don't know if I can set that as a goal, but get back to me when I can be more present because right now I can't be more present like right. I'm really and it's, I'm in a place of, that's even a level of respect thing yeah of like this is really important to you and it's important to me that you feel like it's important to you and I need to be closer to 100% and, yeah. I, and I'm just not there right now yeah. so I but but we're and, but I'm going to take this on the, the one weight that I am going to t- take on is to get back to you and find that spot for yeah. you. Yeah. Because you're important to me. And honestly, like, what's more valuable in a friendship than just that? Mm-hmm. Of the of letting someone know I care about you so much that I'm that I'm going to find a space inside of me to help you digest this. Mm-hmm. Like, I there's not a better way to tell someone that you love them than that. I don't think. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think digestion is a good word, speaking of language, because some people, like I've met people who want to kind of, like when you're the vulnerable one, speaking of safe places, and and Steve and I, like I think I I mesh with you a lot, because I think we're both sort of, um, what's that word? Old. We're old. (laughs) Old. (laughs) No, we're kind of empaths. And we tend to get into the rhythm of somebody else's energy when they're pouring it out. And I can suffer with you. And I can even start to feel it. Did you have that growing up? Yeah, I think I did. I mean, did you have somebody that you could do that with? No. No, I didn't share anything with anyone. That's part of being, I think, a sexual assault survivor is you learn a skill I did of just being able to keep everything right in here. It's like that beach ball underwater analogy. Until you grow old enough or, or shit gets too intense to where yeah. you just can't hold that fucking ball underwater anymore. Because I think that for me is that... Pop it. 
I want to be that I guess I want to be that person that wasn't there when I wanted it when I needed it mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. it triggers me when just even listening to it not even being part of this that part of the conversation is like that pisses me off so bad I should have had that yeah yeah me too there are so many people in my life that should have given that to me mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you see it, you know, you, you're at the park, the zoo, wherever, the grocery store, wherever the hell you are, and you see the kid crying. Not physically crying, but you can just feel his emotions. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have that at all. Like, yeah. You're, the people in your life suck. Yeah. And it's such a, I think the tragedy in that is it is such a simple thing. Mm-hmm. So simple. Like, it's, yeah, and it's, for some weird fucked up reason, it's hard to do. Yeah. But it's incredibly simple. And that, yeah. Uh, and it's just tragic that there's so few people that know how to do it. And the cool part, too, is when, when you learn how to do it, it's gratifying. Uh-huh. Like, there's so much pleasure in finding space and vulnerability for somebody else. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's a drug. Oh, yes. Yeah. You get high as hell. Yeah. I was uh, down at uh, Mukilteo State Park a couple of years ago before I moved to the Port of Everett. Well, because Mukilteo started charging me two bucks for half an hour to park in their state park because I don't live in Mukilteo. But I remember just break instant, <laughs> like it was yesterday, there was a dad and his son. And the dad was probably in his late 30s, early 40s. The son was like 10, 11, and they were building a fire down in the water, just the two of them. I took a picture of it and I threw it up on Facebook at the time. I go, awesome. That kid will remember that forever. You know, just seeing that interaction. Kid, there's nothing that kid did that that dad was criticizing him for. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and you could just tell the kid was safe. And I'm like you just said, what the fuck did I not have that? Why could I not have had that safety? And that kid will grow up confident in who he is. In He's not going to be afraid to fail because he knows that, that and that's, again, what's going through part I'm reading in that book, uh, Body Keeps the Score. He says they're attuned. You know, they've got that attunement from their caregiver. Yeah. You know, their, their, their caregiver, their, his dad, was with him and in that moment. The amazing thing is how much can be fixed with just having one person that can do that yes. for you. Yes. Like, just one person can relieve so much of that pressure and weight uh, that you can start surviving again, or start not drowning again. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's, and, you're, and it's fucking awful that so many fucking people don't have one person. Right. Um, it's rare for people to have one person that they can do that with. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. That is fucked up. But we have social media. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and you can make a Facebook post. I don't know. Like some of that. Some of that's. I don't know if it's healthy, but it's. It's at least a way to put some of that close shit to out there. Almost. It feels like. It feels like getting it out of your body and onto the page, so to speak. I don't know if you can do it on Facebook. You can definitely do it over just chat, though. Yeah. yeah, you can be there for somebody, just talking back and forth. 
Chuck and I do it a lot, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's not as good as being in the room, but it, it can relieve a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. So. we watch set up when we do meet. Yeah, that's true. You know, it just lays out a good foundation groundwork of okay, this, this is going to come up. But yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. we watch the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. Mm -hmm. It, the, my daughter, oldest daughter, told me about it, and. Uh, it's all these executives that were with Google, that were with uh, Facebook. Facebook, that were with Instagram, that were with Pinterest, and all that. And they said, and the thing that I said, she goes, "What jumped out of you, Dad, in that film, on that uh, documentary?" I said, the "Number one thing that jumped out of me, all those executives with Facebook, Instagram, don't let their kids on social media mm. because of how they market." How they wire the algorithms. Yes. It's like they use gambling. Um, yes. Yeah. The way that, yeah. that we get people hooked on gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's fucked up. I feel it sometimes. I felt it this morning. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? I opened up Facebook and just started mindlessly scrolling yep. through. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. I'm going to put this down for yeah. a minute and go to fucking work. Yep. So work for me has been uh, different because I've been unemployed for three plus months and now getting to a place where I'm learning the kind of habitual, like, so I'm a mechanic. Car comes in, there's a procedure, you know, and we log things. My brain doesn't work that way. Like I'm more of a artist. I like to see things flow. And the way that Things are coming together, and I'm, I'm with so many, I'm blessed to be, use that word, lucky, whatever, to have the people that I work with not like have compassion for me in that. Like you're new, it's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Like, you know, even one of my coworkers, he's like, "What? You've been here for three weeks and you don't know this?" You know, and he kind of smiles and it's okay, buddy. Like it's just gonna be alright because I tend to like fall into that trap of wanting to beat myself up over it. Mm -hmm. And as a guy with ADHD, it's like, do I seek medication? Like maybe I could do this better if I was on, if I was medicated. I don't know. Maybe I would. I'm not taking that off the table. But um, if some guy, like if, if I didn't, if I worked with different people who would have been like all over my shit, like why are you doing this faster or just getting in my face? I'd be gone by now. Mm -hmm. At this point, I've never worked as a professional mechanic. There's I've just done of, my own there's shit. There's a lot of places out there that would. Oh, I know, especially with, especially with mechanics, is it so fucking like you fix the car, you do the thing. Right. I've done this for X amount of years. How come you can't do this in a half an hour? Right. Right. Yeah, um, and that's just learning to be a good teacher. Yeah. Is, is embracing that they're gonna fuck up and that they're gonna learn from their mistakes, and. And making a safe space yeah. for people, making a safe space for people to make mistakes is its own completely other type of safety that we haven't really talked about. But that's a big part of that whole thing. Yeah. Of like, and learning to <clears throat> take people's what we would call flaws and figure out how to make that fit in the puzzle so it becomes a strength. That's so valuable if you can find you, people to do that. You think our friend Leo would, is, would consider him 
as vulnerable and available? I've seen him be really vulnerable and available in, in, in recovery kind of groups. And we had a, a, when we were with Shoreline, so they were kind of sending everyone to redemption groups. Like, that's the new yeah. thing. We're not doing yeah. grace groups anymore. Yeah. But then Leo and I had this community group, so to speak. And that's when I met Derek. And Derek brought a dude who was addicted to meth. To this group, which was not sanctioned by Marshall Church, mm-hmm. because everyone is supposed to go to redemption groups, and you know, don't Ooh, don't break group. procedure. It was blue leg group, is what it was, and uh, <laughs> and in that group, I saw I saw Leo be vulnerable. I saw him also go after people, maybe in a harsh way, and people leave the group because I'm not sure if he knew, like being a recovery group guy. Not knowing those boundaries of, like you said, when to push and when to pull back, when someone's more sensitive, you know. Um, but Leo, he's another guy that kind of saved my life at a certain point, where he was just there and who he was when I needed him to be who he was. Not some guy who barked orders at me or told me how, fucking threw Bible verses at me. He was just that guy. You know? I think he's probably why I'm still at Port Gardner. Not because he said he's going to come back and haul my ass if I ever left. <laughs> but that because he was there, he saw something, and I trusted him. And I didn't know him that well. I, that's one of my regrets, that he died too fucking early on me. Um, but he felt like a guy that I could have been vulnerable with. And uh, You just got to yeah. find your boundaries, because people told Leo and I we should never leave Mars Hill. And we did before it sank. Like we both. Yeah, yeah. I get that too. How are we gonna land this? What's more so? Yeah, I don't know. It was a. It was a cult. It was a cult. It's a weird thing. Um, just don't be an asshole. I guess maybe that's the. It's be safe in this realm of safe people. Try really hard. I, I think about that meme. I think you were the first one that shared it when I saw it first. Is like like that superhero, and there's a there's a button that says "Be an asshole." Don't be an asshole. He's all sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> we push asshole. I think we tend to do that. Yeah, I think going back to the Dan Hazen thing, uh, just learn how, learn what it means to be vulnerable and available. And honestly, like it's it's simple, but it also like you have to really sit at it with it for a long time, and back to the teaching thing, you have to fuck some people up. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. like you have to make some mistakes with people mm-hmm. uh, and get out there and and have moments where you're like, "Boy, I was not. Yeah, that wasn't not. safe. I'm sorry. Uh, can you we still try and be friends? Because I fucked that up." Uh, but that's vulnerability. Is right. saying you're, "Hey, I make mistakes," and and, and availability. And being like I'm, st- I'm still in this relationship. I'm still committed. I fucked that up. I'm not going to bail because I fucked that up so bad. Mm. Uh, let's keep tossing the back first. I think the worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of charades. That's a huge bitch. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe, like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound. Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't check it out! I have come here to chew bubblegum 
and kick ass. And I'm all out of bumper. Oh.